Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Business Matters. We're recording this at the Wind Technology Studio at the Eau Claire Area Chamber of Commerce, and we want to thank our media sponsor, Royal Credit Union. My name is Scott Rogers. I'm Vice President Governmental Affairs at the Eau Claire Area Chamber of Commerce, and our guest for this segment is Stephanie Hirsch. Stephanie is the Eau Claire City Manager, a position she's held since April of 2022. Uh, Stephanie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What we try to do in a segment like this is to really talk about your personal story and also how it relates to our business community and our, our city. So let's start out maybe learning a little bit more about you. What was the, the path that brought you to being the city manager here in Eau Claire? So I grew up in Eau Claire, as, as you mentioned. I uh, was born in 1970, uh, so grew up in the 70s and 80s in Eau Claire, and it was a really fantastic place to be a child. Um, and that was uh, in large part because there was such a strong um, and large middle class, and there were very many caring adults who spent a lot of their energy investing in our local organizations and businesses and, and schools. And as well as just keeping an eye on the neighbor child or inviting them to dinner. And so it was a place, to, it was a great place to be a child because it really gave us a chance to, to just play and not worry about too much of what was going on and to feel supported by the whole community. And then after childhood, of course, I uh, lived in different parts of the country. And in my 20s, I worked in two communities that were really struggling, and that was in North Philadelphia in the beginning of the 90s, which was really the peak of both the crack epidemic and as well as the AIDS epidemic before there was any kind of treatment for AIDS. And it was incredibly eye-opening to me as a person coming from a pretty uh, sheltered uh, community to be working in that in that context. And I also worked in rural Georgia where there was very high levels of poverty. And I got interested in the idea of how basically there's a kind of inefficiency that happens in government service delivery and social service delivery that leads to really heartbreaking outcomes. So even though a lot of money is spent, it's spent in the wrong places and people's lives go um, be, they're not able to thrive, they're not able to care for their own families, they're not able to stay healthy, and they're not able to be happy. And I uh, became interested in trying to figure out how could I work within government to create the tools that makes government more rational and makes it work better so that everybody is able to thrive, uh, as most especially those people who may have historically been poorly served by government institutions. Um, or, or, or people who are most dependent on government ser uh, service delivery in order to, to do okay. And so I um, went to different kinds of schools to gain those tools, and then I eventually ended up in both. I worked in the Boston Police Department, and I ended up in Somerville, Massachusetts, where I was for about 16 years, working very closely with the mayor of Somerville, as well as the superintendent of the schools, to try to improve how local government delivered services. So it was really rationalizing, bringing lots of the tools from the business world and from any kind of place that has good ideas into municipal government to make it run as smoothly and as efficiently as possible for the purpose specifically of improving life outcomes and the joy, well-being, peace of mind of every resident who lives in the community. And then um, to continue on, uh, I had been there a long time. My family kind of had the stars aligned that we would have a chance to move back to Eau Claire. We were very regular guests to Eau Claire. Eau Claire. It was kind of our second home because we visited often my parents. Um, so it was a, 
uh, for us, my family, I have three kids, they, they considered Eau Claire to be kind of like vacation land. And um, we had an opportunity to move uh, back to Eau Claire. And it just so happened it was really the first day of the pandemic in, in the Boston area, which uh, was March 13th, Friday the 13th. And we, uh, we, we heard the news through the grapevine that the airports were going to shut down, which didn't actually happen. And my husband and I just looked at each other. We said, we need to go because I didn't want to be on the other side of the country from my parents if there really was going to be a sustained period of lockdown. And so we really just pushed everything into the basement and got on a flight the next morning at 4.30 in the morning and ended up in Eau Claire. And so it's been about two and a half years. So coming to Eau Claire, how was that change for your family and uh, for you as well uh, in making that adjustment? Well, uh, my daughter, who's now 16, she was. She said, Mom, you can move. We had talked about moving to Eau Claire for many years. And she said, "You can. we can move before I start high school or after I leave the home. But you can't leave when I'm in the middle of high school. Little did we know there was going to be a pandemic. But um, so there was some negotiating. Um, such as that we would foster as many cats from and dogs from the Humane Association as my kids wanted. So, in fact, right now we have four cats at our house, and I think we've had about 40 total since we've moved here. So there was some negotiation. Um, and another funny aspect of moving here is that, um, of course, when we always came here for vacations, we have all these traditions, and we had this list that we would do, uh, sort of like the Visit Eau Claire list. Uh, we'd look at volume one and comb through all of what was happening and do every possible fun thing we could find. And now, of course, they live here, so now they think, oh, well, this isn't as fun as it was before. <laughs> and, of course, they're older, too, so they kind of have conflated being older and not doing all these, you know, they're not as interested in in sledding at Pinehurst. And, you know, we would always go to the YMCA and have such so much fun swimming in the small pool. And now my daughter's a lifeguard at the YMCA, which is also great, but it's not as much fun as just splashing around. So for them, it's kind of funny because they've now they consider it more just regular life. Um, but it's been a really great transition for us. Um, everybody has been able to plug in different aspects into different aspects of the community. My husband is doing the, the um, Chambers um, Leadership Eau, Eau Claire program. He's also auditioning for every um, community theater and children's theater production that comes along. Just because Eau Claire is an easy place to be, it's easy to get around, it's easy to meet people. We have a little like, more time in our day because we're not um, fighting traffic and um, having to work extra hard just to pay the bills. It's an affordable place to live. Um, it's a it's a place that has so many organizations for youth, and that just lets kids. It's, it's like so many options, and many of them are free or affordable, especially through the school district's um, summer program. And so, all my kids, um, and my husband and myself as well, as well as well, are really happy to be here and just to ex- experience everything that Eau Claire has to offer. And on a personal note, it's really fun to be in the place where I grew up. Um, I didn't really appreciate how much fun that would be and how much it feels like I'm really home. Um, And, you know, so I work with a lot of people. Very few people are from Eau Claire, even though they've been here longer in recent years. I still feel like I have some um, historical knowledge of, you know, what was a store and a place and 1980 or what happened when Oakwood Mall opened and the theme song and uh, so that's been really fun you know running into teachers and uh, I had a third grade teacher who sent me a a card saying how happy she was that I became city manager Um, 
there was uh, some, I think my mom and um, some of her friends and neighbors were among the League of um, Women Voters. And I I believe, if I remember the story correctly, they brought my, you know, bassinet and sat it on the table for the meetings. And a lot of those um, women, especially, I've just reached out and said, I'm just so proud that we have a, a woman city manager and that I, I know who she is and I knew her when she was a baby and it's just they didn't think that that would be possible, you know, way back in the 70s when they were sitting around that table. So, yeah, that's been really that's been really fun. So you you came back in 2020 and you yeah. took the city manager job this spring. So obvi- did you have that even in mind when you moved here? Or how did how did you end up being city manager after being here a couple of years? Uh, so I had um, I was in a community that has a strong mayor form of government. Um, Somerville is eighty three thousand, and it doesn't have any kind of uh, uh, appointed administrator. It has just the mayor. Uh, our particular mayor was there for many many years, and so he really was served, ha- had the skill set of, of a of a manager or administrator. Um, and I had as a dream to run for mayor after he um, left the position. Um, or to be manager executive of a of a community, and so that was the path that I have been on for probably the last ten ten years. That 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 goal. This, but then having the chance to be in my own hometown. That's like a dream job. It's just every day I wake up and I think, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I got this chance. I feel just so honored. So how is Somerville different than Eau Claire? Obviously, you've been in some other places, like you mentioned Georgia and and and, uh, and Philadelphia. Um, how how is Somerville different than Eau Claire, and how does your municipal experience carry over from there? Yeah, so I actually because we visit have visited Eau Claire for so many years, I always am crosswalking the two in my head because I feel very connected uh, to both and care a lot about the people and the places in both. Um, so they have some things in common. They are both winners of the All America City Award in the last about six years. Um, they're uh, both college towns have a um, really interested, engaged community. Um, uh, great people, of course. Uh, the differences are that the main difference is that Somerville is four square miles, so it's about twenty thousand people per square mile, and that changes um, that changes the community in some important ways. Um, one is that it makes it very lively very vibrant so if you walk out your door you'll have you're guaranteed to have many interactions with people and you know 70 percent are good and 30 percent are bad (laughs) so but it's just you really it's hard to be lonely there you can just sit on your stoop and have conversations with people one after another Um, it's also very diverse so in the school district uh, uh, half the population speaks another uh, language at home which is really fun and exciting and was such a fun experience for my kids going to school there it means you get to eat a lot of good food the whole world comes to you you know you can just travel down the street and visit you know five different countries by walking into grocery stores or, or or restaurants or having conversations with people and that's really fun it also means that the density allows there to be an investment in public infrastructure in a way that's a lot harder in a spread out city. So even though there's very few um, acres of open space per person in Somerville, those parks are amazing because a lot of taxpayers support that investment. So absolutely like real destination kind of parks. 
Um, there's also public transit that's really accessible. So my family didn't have a car for um, eight years, and so we were able to function because there was two grocery stores, each within two blocks of our house, and our, our elementary school was right next to, next to our house. So that's a really different dynamic. Um, but there are some challenges with that kind of community as well. The main one is that it's incredibly expensive. So um, the real estate is just astronomical. And um, um, that, that's probably the main challenge. So even though it's very diverse, it's becoming less diverse as people are kind of have to move out of the city. And yeah, there's also many rats in Somerville. <laughs> that I've been appreciating that there are not rats here. That's, in that's not on the city logo either, I'm sure. So, <laughs> no. well, you had another chamber connection there because uh, the leader, the um, All American City application came through a leadership Eau Claire. Ah, uh, nice. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, so we have you mentioned a strong mayor system, mm-hmm. and uh, here in Eau Claire we don't have a mayor. And a lot of people say, well, why is that? How does that work? They hear about manager council system, but do you have sort of an elevator speech when people say, well, why doesn't Eau Claire have a mayor? How do you explain our system of government? Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly the history of why Eau Claire doesn't have a mayor. I can say, though, that, you know, there are some pros and cons that people consider. And I know when I was in Somerville, I was always sort of wishing that we would convert to a manager form of government. And now that I'm in Eau Claire, I can see the benefits of the mayor form of government. Um there's a lot in common. If it, it depends mostly on the personality of the leader. So in my former community, the mayor was very much of a manager in terms of his thought, um, and you could, you know, um, and you could have a manager that also has a strong personality and um, wants to do some of the things that a mayor might do, like build community or, or like be expressive or something like that. Um, the main thing is, in a manager form, you, it's completely nonpartisan, so um, I, and I can't in any way be part of any kind of um, like political fundraising or advocacy, um, so that's an important difference. But that's true also even in a mayor form. It's a nonpartisan um, race, and so like the municipal government generally, generally um, tries to help everybody. It doesn't matter whether, you know, what, and that's the one really fun thing about municipal government is that it is nonpartisan, that you don't have to worry about what people's politics are when you think about street condition or park maintenance or um, you know, even schools or, um, you know, that's really exciting. This is our community. It really doesn't matter, the politics, you know. And so I think it's, for me, it's, it's quite similar. So in Eau Claire, you uh, are the city manager and we have city staff, um, so uh, a couple questions related to that. So what is the size of the city staff? And then on the council side of things, we have a city council president who's mm-hmm. elected by the voters and 10 other city council members. So what is the role of you as the manager and having the staff of the city? And what is the role of the city council with the president and the rest of the council? Uh, so there are about 500 city staff. And they are, it's a little complicated, but they are, within the hierarchy of the city manager. So I would supervise the directors and the directors supervise supervisors, et cetera, down or to, to the, the frontline workers. Um, there are, however, it, it's a little more complicated than that because the library is, is um, 
sort of autonomous. The health department is autonomous and shared with the county. And the police and fire also report to a public safety commission. So it's not... um, it's perhaps not as straightforward as in the, as in a private corporation, um, but the idea is that the executive is trying to coordinate and supervise everything that's happening. In reality, it's um, a, a, an aspect of municipal government is that it's extremely uh, broad horizontally in functions. So it ranges from fire to recreation to, um, to tax bills to assessing. It's just like the number of things you'd have to be an expert in or just have an understanding of to really, uh, you know, assertively supervise all these functions is so broad. It's, it's, it's quite hard to do that. And so, um, it's, it's perhaps a little different than, you know, a situation where an executive is generally managing a set of functions that are related or more closely related. Um, so, you know, that's something to think about. And then of course I have these 11 supervisors who are the council members and they may not agree with each other, um, and they really are not even supposed to be talking about policy unless they're in a publicly noticed meeting. And so it's kind of a, you know, it's sort of an art to try to figure out what, you know, to, what next steps to do, um, given that there are many, many functions supervised and these 11 supervisors of me, as well as many community partners that also have opinions and, and that kind of thing. So the, the two highest positions in city government are you as the city manager and Terry Weld as the... Uh, city council president on the policy side. So how would you explain how you work with the, the city council president and the rest of the council to sort of do your job? Uh, so President Weld and I meet uh, every week and we review the upcoming agendas and anything going on in the city. And just to note, I've just been so happy to get to work with Terry. He's just um, just such a person with a huge heart and passion and incredibly uh, level-headed and even-keeled and really kind and respectful. So that's been a really um, great part of the job. Um, I think he's really the sort of team leader of the council. Um, and it's he, he if somebody had a complaint about me, they would talk to the president, and then he would try to work it out, and, and as well as vice versa. So that's, I think, the main role of the president. So you talked about sort of the complicated nature of a city because of the broad types of things a city right. does, maybe contrasting with a company that has one mission. Um, so tell us about your team. Uh, who are, How many people report directly to you, and, and how do you work with them, and how do you spend your time on a typical day? Yeah, so that's been absolutely one of the one of or the most fun part of the job has been working with the, de- the department heads and the staff in the city. It's clear that the city is very well run. It's not a broken, you know, there's, there's nothing broken about the city, what people are doing. There's no weak link. It's, it's a really well run city. And so it's been just such a joy to get to step into that. Um, I do think the, the financing mechanisms that the state governs are broken, but the actual work of the city and the, the staff are, is pretty extraordinary. Um, the directors are people like the police chief, the fire chief, the finance director, the HR director, the IT director, um, community development, community services. Uh, and um, then uh, Dave Solberg is the engineering director, and he's also the deputy city manager, and he's been just just a fantastic partner in in working through all of the issues that, that come up. And we um, have many meetings um, that try to tackle issues, and, um, and 
that's the, you know, so talking, thinking, visiting to different parts of the city. Um, one of my um, main goals is to increase the city's ability to undertake performance management for the coordination of all city service delivery. And I believe that's important to use these tools because of the very broad nature of municipal government. Um, because I couldn't, can't be an expert in all these different functions. Um, the, I, my goal is to create this per, a performance management unit that can actually work with each department, each director to have to develop so that we all develop a deep understanding of each department's and each division's daily work from the finances of it, the activity data, uh, the projects that they're working on, and then how those those projects relate to other divisions, community issues. Um, that's something that I've worked on for many years in my career. It's a focus area of mine. Back Going back to this idea that I believe that we need to rationalize or make government run extremely efficiently with every one of these precious public dollars that we spend so that it helps everybody um, and most especially people who are disproportionately affected all right, so that kind of gets into uh, my next question. Actually, was going to be, you know, what are some of the things you feel like you've accomplished in the first few months in your in your job, and what are some of the the top priorities that you have that you feel like either are successes or you're moving towards? Well, I came into the job thinking the most important thing I should do is not break anything, because mm-hmm. as I mentioned, it's a very well performing, it's a high performing city. So that has been my top goal is to uh, support relationships and um, and make sure that I, I don't derail anything that's working. <laughs> um, the top priority is the the fiscal stability of the city, and it's been our focus. It's something we think about all day, and I think about all night, and probably many others do as well. Um, so because of the way which you all, I won't repeat this because many of us learned all about this during the referendum discussions, but the way municipal government is funded is, is very challenging and it really limits, um, our ability to keep up with the, uh, rising costs through inflation and the continuingly growing, um, city of Eau Claire. So the needs that come with a growing city, um, so that creates a structural deficit. And we have, Eau Claire has historically, as I understand it, been very um, uh, 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 incremental or, or um, very kind of gradual um, about making any kind of changes. We don't want to, because as, as I'm mentioning, things work well. It's not easy. It's not like a turnaround situation where you can come up, oh, like, let's just cut the fat. And, you know, there isn't really any fat to cut. Um, so we're trying to think about the bigger changes, restructuring that will be not too painful, but still allow us to close that structural deficit. And that's really been the focus of a lot of the discussions. Um, some of the projects I'm happy, I'm pleased that happened. I don't know that I deserve credit for it, but that we were able to move forward with the referendum, um, to make decisions about the, uh, make a plan for the ARPA spending, um, that we're uh, finished the budget. <laughs> That's of course we had to finish the budget, but it, it we it was a very compressed time frame because I came in kind of t- in the middle of it, and then our finance director retired, and we got a new finance director who's absolutely amazing, and um it, and we had a referendum the same year, so it was an unusual budget year, um, and um another part I am I am 
happy that we're focusing on. I don't think there's anything to claim credit for, but um, really focusing on employee well-being. So uh, there was a, a, an employee survey administered, and we looked at those results very, really carefully and then um, have been working with each department to set goals related to the, the concerns that employees expressed as well as to address some issues on the city on the citywide basis. Um, and so I'm really pleased that we're prioritizing um, employees' needs because I believe they feel that they their workload just keeps growing and growing and growing. Their kind of buy, buying power in terms of their wages keeps falling, as well as benefits, as we know, like people don't have retiree health benefits anymore and that kind of thing. So the reasons why people went into the public sector are kind of eroding. Um, so really trying to understand why do they want to keep showing up for work and what, what are they part of here in Eau Claire and how can we make sure that they're you know, happy and healthy and, and able to, to have a great experience working here. I'm, I'm really happy about that focus. So at the chamber and through the business community, we try to pay attention to some of the things that make a healthy city, make it important to us. And we know one big change that's coming is the city has decided to rewrite the zoning code. Yeah. And that probably... To most laymen, that sounds kind of boring. Right. But, um, how important is that, and and how do you see that coming about? Yeah. So that's like you said, people might not realize how big of a deal that is, but it is. Uh, it's a really. Um, it's one of the most significant steps a council can take, because and the reason why is. Uh, it's saying that whatever your, you know, of course, people's homes are their most precious. Um, the, you know place in the world and they care a lot about it and that means your particular home has a certain kind of zoning code attached to it you could be a store you can be a house you can be a, a, a you know hospital now we're going to say oh well we might change what can happen on your property and that's why it's really um, a, a, just a tremendous uh, uh, community engagement process because people care so much about what what they can do in their own home and so it's it's um it means basically talking to everybody about every single parcel in the city and that's the challenging part of it the exciting part about it is it's the operating system for the city so it tells us the rules by which we can develop more affordable housing or have permit ready sites for um, businesses we may want to attract or like certain parts of the city that we want to have more of like a makerspace or fabrication areas um, and so it's really just a fantastic opportunity to re-envision or, or, or think about um, what we want every part of our community to, to, to be like and to do. And so I, I'm excited that it's happening. And being able to fund it through ARPA is, uh, I think, going to be one of the most transformative ways that we're spending our ARPA funding. So it's going to be hard and difficult and complicated, but the outcome is going to be worth it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yep. So this is called Business Matters. And one of the things we always ask our guests is, why does business matter in Eau Claire? So to you personally or to the city of Eau Claire, as its uh, staff leader um, or organizational leader, why is business important or why does business matter here? I'll say that what imp what impresses me so much about Eau Claire and what I think is really unique is the, 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 the nature of the business community. So first, how engaged business members are in every aspect of community life from serving in really... Um, significant roles in, in volunteering their time and leadership roles on uh, nonprofit boards, um, involved also in 
kind of visioning the community. So there's um, more kind of economic development and business-oriented um, organizations, like planning organizations here than I think in the vast majority of communities. So the fact that those business leaders are talking to each other to think about how can we define this region and attract the businesses that will that will be you know good uh, um, uh, partners here in the community is it's really exciting um, also what I'm impressed with in Eau Claire is the diversity of businesses so we have strong retail we have strong agriculture we have technology we have these amazing small um, like retail in our downtown the revitalization of the downtown is just such a joy um, we have arts and uh, the Banbury the, the, the kind of just like walking through Banbury is just such a fantastic experience. You want to go into every single, see what are they doing in there? You know, and just how that reinventing of Banbury opened up opportunities for hundreds of small businesses. Um, uh, the the work that Aaron White and EDC and, and Gateway are doing to attract, um, as well as other economic development um, groups to attract the major players that are going to um, be uh, uh backbone of both our employers and our uh, municipal finance. Um, yeah, so it just seems like one of the most uh, strong uh, network uh, infrastructure of business community of any place I have certainly ever been. And not just because I'm here, but I do think that the chamber is like really at the, has to be get the lion's share of credit for the, the func- how functional the business community is. I, I've never seen a chamber that is so uh, thoughtfully led and so broad in its the, the footprint that it has in trying to bring people together, um, not just on business, but on life and community and culture and um, and all the big issues. And so I think that 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 if I had to think of the why uh, uh, Eau Claire is so strong, it is partly related to this history of a strong middle class with. Um, uh, lots of different types of contributors being welcome and having a seat at the table. But I think certainly a big share of it is the leadership role that the chamber um, plays in helping to guide all of those people. Well, we appreciate those kind words as we uh, end our broadcast today. So uh, thanks for joining us, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. We do want to mention a couple things uh, coming up. Uh, we are going to celebrate our chamber year uh, in January on the 25th. So January 25th, our annual meeting on the that evening at the Pablo Center at the Confluence. Uh, It's really a must-attend event of the year, so we want to kick the year off with that, so join us then. I also mentioned from a policy standpoint, we have our annual Chippewa Valley Rally with our Chippewa Falls and Menominee Chambers. We'll be going to Madison on February 22nd. Uh, Look that up and put that on your calendar uh, as well. So we're signing off today from the Wind Technology Studio. We want to thank Stephanie for being with us today. Uh, We thank our media sponsor, Royal Credit Union, and uh, we thank you, the listener, for taking time to join us. I'm Scott Rogers. Uh, Have a great day.